You're listening to Podcateers. Welcome to episode 382 of Podcateers. This week we have the privilege of sitting down with local artist and curator of the exhibit Legend 200 Years of Sleepy Hollow. The talented Clark Silva joins us. He tells us about his career, how he got started, and what led him to curating this show and the process of doing so. It was a great talk and we're thankful that we had some time to sit and chat with him. The exhibit is happening at the Museo Museum and Cultural Center in Anaheim and will be running through Halloween, October 31st, 2021. The link to the museum website and Clark's Instagram account at Art of Clark Silva will be available in the blog post for this episode at podcateers.com slash 382. On top of that great chat with Clark, we also discuss Muppets Haunted Mansion. Remember that you can join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Just search for Podcateers. But we'd love to invite you to join our growing community on Discord. Just like the links mentioned before, you can find an invite to join us in the blog post for this episode at podcateers.com slash 382. Steamboat Willie is raising money to help support the fight against women's cancers because almost anyone that you ask will tell you that cancer sucks. And as part of our fundraising effort, we released a limited edition golden pin with a Teamboat Willie logo on it. Only 100 of these special edition pins will be available for purchase. And once they sell out, we will not be making any more of this gold variant. How does the pin tie in? Well, we are donating five dollars for every pin sold to city of hope as a matter of fact this week between october 11th and october 15th we're upping our donation amount to six dollars per pin because one of the sponsors of the event is actually matching dollar for dollar so we're trying to squeeze in a little bit more so that it turns out to be double the donation amount So whether you, a friend, or a loved one has ever suffered from this horrible disease, you know the toll that it takes on them and their families. This is our way of trying to help put a stop to this horrible disease. But if pins aren't your thing, we totally get it. If you want to help out but just want to make a donation, you can head over to TeamBoatWilly.com for a link to make a donation. Uh, Or if you want to join our team and help raise money, that's awesome as well. So if you have any additional questions, please feel free to reach out. We'll be happy to help you out as best as we can. And of course, we can't get this thing started without taking a moment to thank the wonderful group of folks that make these episodes of Podcateers happen. Those people are the FGP squad, our podcast's very godparents, because it's their support via Patreon that helped make all this possible. As part of the FGP squad family, you get some additional perks like exclusive discounts for Podcateers gear, additional content on Patreon, and access to our monthly happy hour calls, just to name a few. For more information on how you can become part of the FGP squad family, we invite you to check out podcateers.com FGP. And as always, a super special thank you goes out to the FGP squad for their continued support. So we're going to get this thing started. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We hope you like what you hear and that you join us back for more. And for those of you that have been hanging with us for some time, we appreciate you. Thanks for being a part of the Podcasters family and hanging out with us on a weekly basis. That's it. Time to get it started. So here is episode 382 of Podcasters.
windy <laughs> out in my area. It's windy up here too. Like, Is it it's, really? I think it must be windy everywhere. Yeah, I went to work today and we had a temporary um, shade structure put up just from COVID that never got taken down. And it was all blown apart. And so that was my morning was uh, cleaning up this blown down Shane thing. So I think the whole state just must be blowing. I don't know what's going on. Happy Wednesday. <laughs> it's oh, nice. Wednesday. Love it. <laughs> it Love it. like I had Wednesday. Wednesday. In the hundred acre wood, a little bear named Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I mean, it feels appropriate, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. for those that saw the title card of the episode... Uh, you know that a couple of weeks ago, or last week, sometime in, within the last couple of episodes, we talked about how <laughs> Mel and Larry visited the uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Legend 200 Years of Sleepy Hollow exhibit at Museo, uh, and it was curated by Clark Silva, super talented local artist, and we had the pleasure of sitting down with Clark. So later in the episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about some of the things that we've been excited about, because Muppets Haunted Mansion is out! <laughs> we're gonna talk about that i'm so excited i've seen it way too many times that i'm willing to admit it's a lot y'all but before we talk about that we want to jump into this interview with clark super fun talk about him his career uh how he put together this exhibit and uh if you have an opportunity to go definitely check it out the details are going to be in the blog post for the episode podcasters.com slash 382 if you want more info on that. So without further ado, here's our interview with Clark Silva. Take it away, us. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, we're super excited today because as you remember, uh, Melissa and Larry recently went to a show called Legend, 200 Years of Sleepy Hollow. The curator of that art show was a talented artist, uh, local artist named Clark Silva, and he's here with us today, yay! Yay! <laughs> Clark, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate that you're here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Love you too. So, <laughs> before we get into uh, the whole uh, exhibit and telling us uh, how you landed on that, uh, you know, I I had the pleasure of meeting you several years ago through a mutual friends uh, art show. Uh, our buddy Sam Carter was putting on these uh, shows with uh, Popzilla. And uh, you were doing a piece for either Practically Perfect or Sith Happens, the Mary Poppins and Star Wars themed shows that he had put together in downtown Anaheim. Uh, and uh, quite honestly, I, I was an instant fan. I loved your style and I was just hooked. Oh, thank you. I really kind of missed those shows. I know, um, I think that comic store has left with the pandemic shutdown and stuff, they didn't survive. Um, but I miss kind of like those local art shows. Um, and Sam's were always really fun. And I know that he supported a lot of like up and coming and local artists. So those were really fun to do. Yeah. I mean, those shows are great. And Melissa and our friend Jill and I all met through these art walks that we were doing. And uh, I had the opportunity to curate those. Uh, I helped run them for a handful of years. And, Man, the talent that comes through these is just amazing. All this untapped potential in many ways that when you have an opportunity to see what gets curated for these shows, your mind is blown. 
and that's how I was. You know, I've, I've always considered myself a groupie for these art shows. And so uh, I always went. I love photography. I don't do so well on the drawing side. I used to draw a lot when I was a kid, but not so great at it now. So I, I tended to channel my photography skills into photographing the art, the artists, the events themselves. And, you know, that's how I had fun. Uh, I remember heading out to, I don't remember which one came first. I know it was either Practically Perfect or Sith Happens. They were the same year, I believe, uh, but they were super fun. And yeah, it, it is a shame that that place isn't there anymore uh, because uh, it, it's in a prime spot right around the street from Museo, actually, where the exhibit is right now. Tell me a little bit about your career. I, I always love hearing an artist's journey from kind of what piqued them into wanting to draw, how they got into art, and what led them to doing something like curating a show like the one that you're running right now? Well, I've always, um, through all of college, I was always kind of, and I was there for a while because I went back and forth between art and like history. I've always loved both of those things. Um, art, I stuck with and graduated uh, from Cal State Fullerton with a, a BFA in illustration because I wanted to work at Disneyland in the art department. Um, and so I worked there for a number of years um, doing these art shows on the side, but um, it never kind of happened with the art department there. I was able to kind of shadow them and like see like the cycle shop and like how they uh, paint and fix up attractions and pretty much everything in the park. Um, but there was, it was such a small group of people that outsiders were kind of like waiting to break in. And I didn't know if I wanted to like wait for a long time for that to happen. Um, and from not wanting to kind of wait, I started to think about, well, like, is this really what I want to do? Um, there was always this kind of in the background of like teaching, like teaching art or teaching history. And in this, a couple of years ago, in this kind of interim period, I was reflecting on uh, grow, going to museums all the time growing up. Uh, both my parents worked for the school district in Chula Vista. So we were always going to like Balboa Park in San Diego. Our family trips were to like New York and Boston. And we it was just museums all the time. And so I was thinking like, oh gosh, this is where, this is a place where like art and history and all these kinds of things can like come together and you can still be creative and still be in a place that wants to like educate people. Uh, and so I started looking for museum studies programs in California. And that actually brought me back to Cal State Fullerton since they're the only school in the area that's got a museum studies certificate program. Uh, so that's where I kind of got into this like curating and like exhibition design uh, kind of mode of creative work that I've been doing for I see just about almost two years. So it's two years since I've kind of gone back to school and then been able to kind of do this uh, exhibition design and curation stuff, which was almost immediately like, oh, this is what I want to do. Like of all the other things, like I like doing the art shows, but sometimes I was always so, and many artists are this way too, where they're hypercritical of their stuff. Uh, and it became kind of like, oh, I just like I'm punishing myself to do these little paintings. And I was like, oh, I don't know how much like I can keep doing that. Uh, but as soon it was like first semester uh, 2019, 
uh, I was like, this is it. This is where everything I like is all aligning in this kind of one museum universe. So that's how I got that there. Fantastic. It's always great when the stars seem to align with the things that you love to do uh, and how you know that they can affect the world in a positive way. Uh, Mel and I have had this conversation about how we're the most critical of the things that we do to ourselves. Yeah. And I think our yep. team is so supportive <laughs> that uh, whether it's the people in this room or, you know, our, our former co-hosts like Gavin Otteson, who used to host a podcast with us, we're all really supportive of each other. And we're always telling each other, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be, you know, good enough. And yeah. uh, I can't get past it. I don't know how other people do it. But one of these days, I'll learn. <laughs> I know my one of my advisors was always like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to get done. And I yeah. was like, okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so uh, as far as you know, uh, curating and putting these exhibits together uh, from what you've learned and, you know, how you plan on continuing to do this, what would you say is one of the most difficult things when putting together an exhibit like this? Um, it is, I know, uh, actually another advisor in the first first semester back, she was like, it's, it's a miracle that ex exhibitions actually happen. Um, the most difficult part is every single part of it. <laughs> um, it's uh, uh, like research can be fun like with like so with this the Sleepy Hollow show going into kind of like the history of like the cultural adaptation was really fun but then it becomes in a way it mirrored painting where you're, you're uh, like pouring over like brush strokes or sketches but now you're doing like font sizes and like, oh my gosh, is this too big? Like, are people going to be able to read this? Is it too small? <laughs> um, do colors make sense? Um, do, does the placement of objects make sense? Uh, there's not really any part of an exhibition that's easy. It's all stressful. I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. How do you go about even beginning to contact somebody? Because I, I have to imagine that all the pieces that are in this exhibit are not yours. They're obviously, a lot of them can be on loan. And how does the process even begin to put feelers out for people that might have things themed to what you're trying to put together? Um, so for, so Sleepy Hollow actually came out of a show that got canceled. I was doing for this, cause this show was part of the Museum Studies Certificate Program you go through the program and at the very end you do a, sh a show. And so I was actually trying to do a Mary Blair show and there was just, and so I uh, researched like local collectors and just reached out to them. Uh, but they, none of them had pieces that were going to be available for the time that I was supposed to do this show uh, in 2020. So I was like, well, this show can't happen. Um, I happen to have, sleepy hollow stuff myself and so when i was trying to think of like an idea to do after this mary blair show kind of fell to the wayside i was just doing research on like anniversaries of things i was like oh was edgar Allan poe born in 2020 or like did he publish the raven like i was trying to find like a thing to do a show around and that's when i came across oh legend of sleepy hollow turns 200 in 2020 i was like boom that's it i was like because i already have some stuff 
the show was supposed to be at Cal State Fullerton in a much smaller room. So I was like, oh, the stuff I have would fit like perfectly in this little space. Um, for the artists, a lot of them I met doing like Sam Carter's uh, shows, like Hayden Evans. I met him at Popzilla. Um, Marissa, I met at uh, when Ava Lacey was doing kind of pop-up art shows too. Uh, so a lot of them are from that group of artists as well. Um, a lot of objects actually came from, I put a newsletter out last year, just kind of saying like an uh, Instagram post saying like, oh, I'm going to do this show in 2021. And this woman, Laura Holmes, just reached out to me and said, oh, I'm a local Orange County resident and I collect Sleepy Hollow stuff too. So that was kind of that serendipitous nice. like thing. So she just reached out to me. She was just like, oh, I have got, she was funny. She was like, I have a little bit of stuff if you want to take a look. And I was like, okay. And she sends me like photos. Her house is like all Legend of Sleepy Hollow. She has like scrapbooks full of like ephemera, like, and like stamps, all the political cartoons that are in the show. They're all from her. And so I was like, wow. oh, thank you. So that was just kind of like a, fortuitous circumstance that happened to get all that stuff is the deck of cards hers no that one is mine um i was uh like going on ebay and like buying some stuff for myself like as i started (laughs) curating this i was like let me just see what sleepy hollow stuff is out there uh so the deck of cards were mine I'm going to have yeah. to give you a virtual high five from here because I'm a card collector myself. I love playing cards. I love card oh. magic. And I had recently purchased that deck and Mel told me, it's in the show. I was like, oh, <laughs> that's awesome. Did you find it? Did you find it? I found that on eBay. Jess. Uh, I actually go through a dealer in Nevada. There's oh, a, a lot of the nice. custom playing card companies are out in Nevada. And it's like, cust- I mean, um, uh, Playing cards, playingcardsomething.com. I'll send you the link if you're interested. But, oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I always buy the, the cards through there. But, yes, eBay is, you know, always full of different custom decks. I think at this point I own 3,600 decks or so. Oh, my god! Different designs. and <laughs> I love it. It's, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed. It's horrible, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so as far as the Sleepy Hollow exhibit is concerned – I want people to go see it, but tell us about what you learned while putting it together and what can you tell us is some of the coolest things that people will experience when they go see it? Um, I think, so what I learned was, and really what kind of, uh, at the very beginning when I started to just kind of do research on it, what was this kind of relevatory moment was in, it's a extremely small passage in this history of Halloween book I have. Um, in which um, the author is talking about the Disney film. And he says, oh, it was an anachronism that the Headless Horseman would have a flaming jack-o'-lantern and they'd be singing about Halloween. And I was like, well, what does that mean? Like, what? why is that an anachronism? And so it led me down this kind of like rabbit hole of research where it's like, oh, like Halloween wasn't a thing in the 1820s. So they wouldn't have, when the book was written, Washington Irving would have had no idea what, a Jack London or Halloween even was. And I was like, oh, that's wow. like, that's that interesting story then is how the Headless Horseman and Legend of Sleepy Hollow become tied to Halloween and kind of like all this history that goes into it to something now that we don't even kind of think about. Like I thought it was so interesting that all the artists did the Headless Horseman pretty much. 
And they all did, you know, what we assume is the Headless Horseman kind of iconography, like the flaming jack-o'-lantern and stuff. But to sort of trace that history back to the original story to like now uh, was really cool for me being like a history nerd. Um, That is awesome. So I was just like, oh, because it's, I don't know, it's something that you wouldn't even like kind of think about. And then you start getting into the history and then like you start looking at... um, the Smithsonian actually has a bunch of old paintings of the legend of Sleepy Hollow that were done kind of in the 1830s, 1840s uh, of like the headless horseman is clearly like a person in like a robe with a hood on. And they're either holding like a head, like a real head or they're holding just like a pumpkin. So this kind of like, Oh, they wouldn't even have thought of like a jack-o'-lantern or making the headless horseman like supernatural. Like they didn't even see it that way was like so yeah. cool to me to see that that change happen. Um, and there's a piece in the show. It's kind of a small piece. It's in the group of like all the like tchotchke, like ephemera collectibles. Um, it's a ceramic piece of the headless horseman on a horse. Um, and it's clearly it's taken directly from an 1830s illustration, but they chopped the head off. And the pumpkin in the illustration, they've made like a jack-o'-lantern. And I was like, oh, that's like, this is like the whole like story of the show is in this one piece where you have them take this, they took straight from an old picture, but then made it into our contemporary interpretation of the story. So that one kind of sticks out to me. But I think the one that everybody really gravitates to is the Sleepy Hollow uh, dress that was done there. And that was that was another fortuitous uh, circumstance. Um, so the person who crafted it is Christine Millar, who is a historical costumer in St. Louis. And like in early August, she posted a photo on her Instagram of her in that dress. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like the, so the photograph that's on the wall in the exhibit is what she posted. And I asked her like, Oh, can I use that photo? Like, this is beautiful. I love this. Can I use this in the show? And she was like, yes, of course. Do you also want the dress? And I was oh, like, <laughs> yes, please. So she sent that to me. She made it all by hand. Um, and I, what I love about that is that it, it's like the community love for this story so it's not like a prop or it's not something that was kind of like manufactured it was like a fan that made this and she spent all this time on it um and so i think to make that a fantastic like showpiece really like made it and i tried to put it kind of like as soon as you walk in to the show you like see it all lit up so it acts kind of like a draw into it so that i think that's the piece that people really are like resonating with wow what a great story. I mean, I it, I don't think people... I, I know people resonate with the story of The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, but I, I think it's so embedded in the culture of Halloween now, like you were talking about earlier, that I mean, you can even visit Sleepy Hollow, like the location, and stay there. And, you know, they tell you stories about Irving, and, you know, it's gone so far that at DCA now, you know, California Adventure, there is a headless horseman in the middle of Buena Vista Street uh, as an homage to that original cartoon. 
Yeah, I went um, to Disneyland the day after the show opened to like celebrate. And we went into California Adventure and saw that. And I was like, oh, I can't escape this guy. He's everywhere. <laughs> He's everywhere I go now. Um, but what was really interesting was, um, so the story is all, it's all fabricated. So Washington Irving made it all up. Um, but I was recently watching a couple weeks ago, this vlogger who lives in Sleepy Hollow, she was giving a tour and she was like, oh, this is where the, the Van Tassels lived. And this is where Ichabod's schoolhouse was. And like, this is the church where Ichabod was like taken away by the headless horseman. And I was like, oh, she's talking about this. Like it was a real thing. And that just kind of struck me like what you said about how ingrained it becomes in the culture where it's almost like it's a real thing that happened now. Yeah. I think if you decide to continue the show or expand it, maybe move it somewhere else, we'll talk to our non-existent Disney contacts yeah. to get you the Headless Horseman <laughs> from California Adventure so you oh, can fantastic. include that in the yes. show as well. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I can get down the shuttle, right? Yeah, that would cost you security. Right? Just get me a rope. I got this, guys. Yeah, I got I this. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it on top of the car and hold on to it as we're going to through the freeway. <laughs> Uh, Mel and Larry, you've both seen the exhibit. Now that we have Clark here, are there any questions or any comments that you want to throw out there? I mean, we have Clark here to answer them directly now. Ta-da! <laughs> right? Oh, I love... First off, thank you for sharing these stories because one, one of my questions was going to be about the dress. And I fell in love with it. Ooh, and I know. I was like fangirling over it it's because i love when someone takes that time to create something so beautiful and i was telling everyone that you could see the i don't know exactly what she used but for the stripes you could see it and you could see how like every stroke and whatnot and i think that was like one of my favorite pieces my one question because this blew my mind was how did you find some of these awesome pop culture pieces like the Marvel comic book? I, I was like, what, what? I only know so much. I know very little, very little of Marvel. But to see that, I would never have seen that comic book. Like, how did you find that? Uh, that was uh, very long eBay searches. <laughs> so they, nice. <laughs> um, yeah it was kind of like um a roulette so every time you go on ebay sometimes there might be something amazing and then sometimes there might just be a lot of nothing um ah. and so with the show being kind of postponed a lot it gave me time to kind of really search for things um mm -hmm. and so when that one came up i was like oh gosh i have to because i started to see a lot of comic book adaptations. So there was like the Marvel one. And then there was the one with like the dark shadows. And I was like, oh man, that's crazy. And then there was, um, there were some that didn't make it into the show for space that I got. So there was a, a series of monster variants. Uh, and so there was one with, um, it was Starfire as the Headless Horseman. Um, and that one was pretty cool. I just wanted to kind of show that I felt that Marvel one was so 70s. I was like, I have to keep this one in there. Because I wanted to show, too, you know, 
throughout time how the Headless Horseman pops up in different things. Yeah. Um, and I felt that there was a lot of other contemporary stuff, so I think I, I took the Starfire one out and put the Marvel one in. Um, but like that Mad Magazine cover, that was Laura, so she had that. Um, nice. So it was one of those things. She goes, oh, I have this Mad Magazine. Would you want to do this? And I was like, yes, please. <laughs> of course. Um, so a lot of them were just, yeah, just um, – long hours of like searching online for stuff seeing what people were posting um uh and then laura too laura had a whole bunch of stuff nice yeah there's a lot of cool pieces in that show i well done thank you (laughs) yeah clark you nailed it the the dress uh me and my wife were immediately the way when you walk into the room it's like a gravitational pull because you're like well i well, the Sleepy Hollow movie, that adaptation with Johnny Depp and Christina Ritchie, I grew up in, like, that was, like, one of the biggest movies. And it's funny because I just went that way, but now you explain it, it is, like, in this chronological order. So it was, like, I went backwards, like, the other way around, like, going from there to going to the front side. So I kind of, like, did backwards time. And it meant so much more doing it in that way because I felt so much more, like, of a connection. Like, you talk about there's more to the story than what, you know – what a movie is right it, like you said this is yeah. like something we fabricate into a realism of a story that like may have happened i think for me you nailed it uh i was like he's kind of mentioning like when he's answering melissa if there's one thing you wish you could have had in the exhibit uh are you able to say it now or to list it out because i know you said you had some uh, uh space constrictions right yeah um i think everything Everything I really wanted got in. Um, There was a couple, I'm trying to remember, I feel like there was, there was a couple of cool pieces of um, toys from the Timber and Sleepy Hollow I wasn't able to get. But I was kind of like, that's okay. Because I kind of felt like I wanted to, I don't want to lean too heavily, kind of like on products. I want to have a little bit, like, there's a little bit of that. Um, there's some stuff that Laura had, like, from Home Goods that I wanted to kind of show that, oh, he's still kind of a relevant figure that's still being um, kind of produced in different ways. But I did want to, it's part of that kind of curatorial thing where you're like, oh, how much, like, toys do I want? Or how much kind of folk art do I want? Um, and so... Those because there was a kind of a really elaborate um, Christopher Walken that has his horseman toy, but I was never to kind of get um, it, was always kind of like just out of my price range, and I was like, mm, I'll pass. Um, <laughs> um, I was able to get um, one of the books, is one of my favorite illustrators from like the classic age of illustration is Arthur Rackham who does this kind of weird Art Nouveau-y style. And I was able to get uh, an actual, because there's like reproductions of his illustrative illustration uh, edition. Uh, but I was able to get like a real one, like from the 20s. And I was like, oh, oh man, that's, wow. yeah. I was like, that's one of my favorite pieces in there. Um, there was a really funny um, Headless Horseman Crossing sign that Laura had that I had to sort of uh, leave out for space. Um, but that's when I kind of, and there was a, uh, a, um, an, an M&M's magazine advertisement 
wow. of the head of the headless horseman what? having <laughs> M&Ms while his body is outside like terrorizing people and I was like uh. but it was just kind of like it was one of those things where like it doesn't fit with anything got it um, yeah. it doesn't fit with like the film adaptations and then I was getting kind of like with um, room constraints and so I was like I have to say goodbye to this one it's just I was, I was really sad but that's probably one I was like I wish maybe next time yeah, like we were talking about, Next maybe expand at some point. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. only you could have got that uh, that DCA statue, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> From our non-existent Disney contact. Yeah, yeah, that would just that... wheel it over. They make more than one, right? Yeah. They have to. Yeah, That's they right. have to. I'm sure. <laughs> and you know, I I'm up in NorCal, so I can't. I haven't really. I can't go see it. Um, but. I the from what I've seen, I really like that logo. That's that the the moon or the orange circle with the with the headless horseman that is on all the promotional stuff. Is that a piece that's in the show? Uh, no. Um, that was actually so. I reached out to Hayden Evans. Um, he I love his work so much. Um, he has this balance of like. It's retro and nostalgic, but it's very contemporary. Like he doesn't kind of go into where it's just vintage. And so I was like, this is like the the tone I want for this show is to make it contemporary. And that was something that went through the whole thing with like the color choices and like fonts and kind of all this stuff was I wanted hints of old timiness. I've seen shows like history shows uh, exhibitions that kind of like go a little bit too much into the old timey. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to make this like an old show, like, or like a, you know, an antique show. Um, and I felt his work straddled like vintage and contemporary. So I reached out to him to do that signature image that I put over um, like the announcement cards. Uh, the catalog is going to have that on the cover. Um, but he also did a, his own uh piece for the show too which was much more kind of like wild west which was really cool kind of like 180 direction from the signature piece that he did uh but i think he is planning on releasing that as like its own print so i would be on the lookout for that yeah cool now i don't know if this is what happens at art shows but is there merchandise for sale at the art show? Because I, that's what I would want to do is buy the merchandise of the art show. I, <laughs> Besides um, the stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was. I channeled. I worked I worked in stores at Disneyland. So I channeled my mm-hmm. inner Disney stores <laughs> cast member. And I was like, I want there to be merchandise for this show. Um, so there is a, a tote bag that has that image on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is, well, there was, it's sold out and I don't think it's coming back. Um, we put the, the legend 200 logo on a mug. Um, and then we, uh, partnered with a local candle maker to make it like a mug candle. Um, Ooh. those sold out pretty quickly, but I don't think, I don't think she had enough time to like make more of them. Uh, but the tote bags are still there or we got another shipment of the tote bags. But I was like, yeah, I do want merch for this. Yeah, that's cool. I, it's, yeah, that's sweet. We'll have to also <laughs> work with our spirit Halloween contacts because Andrew has been our spirit <laughs> Halloween contact for all things Halloween this year. Uh, Ooh, yeah. He finds all the goodies at the ones <laughs> around his area. We go and we find nothing. But apparently I... everything we've never wanted, Andrew finds for us. 
<laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I just I yeah I was in I've only been into the Spirit by Me twice, the one in Anaheim Hills, and every time I go in, there's all these signs that says like more merchandise coming soon, and I'm like, it's like three weeks to Halloween Spirit, like come <laughs> on, like the coming soon is now shipping delays or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I haven't been to Spirit in like uh, a week and a half, so I'm due for another oh. trip to Ooh. see <laughs> if they have any more haunted mansion stuff that I haven't. <laughs> already bought <laughs> that's awesome uh i was gonna say hayden evans is uh, another you know amazing talented artist uh it, it's kind of cool that you got him to to do that art piece uh he's recently been posting uh, a lot of art that that looks similar to roly crump's art artistic style and mm-hmm. I swear, as I was going through Instagram, I remember scrolling past one of his pieces and thinking, oh, that's a Roly piece I've never seen. And then I read the <laughs> caption and it was like his piece. I was like, stop. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome that he did that piece for the show. I love it. Yeah, I'm very happy that all the artists not only said yes, but like stuck with it through because they were all they all said yes when I started asking them in 2019. And they all stuck with it through like all of the coronavirus shutdown and stuff. Um, They were uh, troopers for sure. How many artists total do you have in the show? Um, oh gosh, fifteen. Yeah, that's amazing that they all stuck by and and did the the show. It's been a, a tough couple of years, but from what Mel and Larry have told me they were singing the praises of the show even after the podcast. And I was telling my wife that I want to try to find some time to go uh, because I don't want to miss it. I mean, it from what they've described, it's one of those shows that is really well put together. It's really informative. And more importantly, it's entertaining. And I've been to shows that hit one or two maybe of those three key points. But when you can nail all three, you know you have a winner. Yeah, I it's um, I, I've been kind of blown away by like the response of people because you never quite know, especially with something like when you do a painting and you put it on the wall, and you're in a show with other people, you kind of have this like uh, like background that you're part of, so people can kind of pass over your work or whatever. But when it's like you're the curator for this whole space that you're in, it becomes like a whole different like nervous ball game like i was so like the night before opening i was like oh my god everyone's gonna hate this this is garbage what am i doing everything's wrong all the all the text is wrong the pieces are stupid like i don't know like but i think you know it's one of those things that every person kind of goes through but i've just been really really uh just kind of dumbstruck by the by the response to this so I'm glad everyone I'm glad everybody likes it. Well, you deserve all of the accolades that people have been throwing your way due oh, to this show. Yep. And I mean, if this is a taste of, you know, what you've been going to school for and this is something that you're passionate about, I am eager to see what you're going to give the world next because if this was something on a small scale, once you start giving us Disney archive level stuff, <laughs> I think it's going to take it to the next level for people. Oh, thank you. Um, I was really happy too that um, the Hilbert Museum was able to loan the Mary Blair piece that's in the show too, because that yeah. was one where I was worried. I was like, oh, they're not going to want to loan their piece for this thing, but 
They did. Is that, is that concept painting? Is that a concept painting from the film? Is that what that is? Uh-huh. Or yeah. Just a, it's okay. one of, um, yeah, Mary Blair's uh, kind of color theory concept pieces uh, for Sleepy Hollow. Very cool. Well, now you have that Mary Blair piece, and you intended on doing a Mary Blair art show before <laughs> so it seems like we have a path to the next show clark i was like hmm, <laughs> yes there's one there's one already here for the next one exactly just put some other on. ones next to it yeah. <laughs> you got one foot in already <laughs> right all right listeners you hear it you know if you've got a mary blair piece or you know somebody that has a mary blair piece Get a hold of Clark because yeah. he wants it. Yeah. My just to borrow, is... just to borrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Borrow. Borrow. <laughs> You'll definitely get the original back. Yeah. 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 Here's your photocopy. If it looks like a horrible <laughs> photocopy, just ignore it. It's your original piece. Yeah, no, it's your That's original. the original. It's the frame. Yeah. It's still in the frame. Yeah. It's definitely not a photocopy. <laughs> Uh, well, Clark, tell everybody again where they can see the exhibit, when it runs until, times if you have them, and then how people can follow you so that they can stay in touch with when you put more of these shows together and they follow your art as well. Oh, yeah. So um, for following me, um, my Instagram is uh, Art of Clark Silva. I will probably start to post. It's like personal and kind of exhibition now. Um, you can kind of go through and see kind of the old art I used to do. Um, but that's going to be where like new shows and stuff get posted. Uh, for Legend, it's at the Museo uh, Museum and Cultural Center in downtown Anaheim. Uh, it is open Wednesdays through Sundays, 11 to 5. Fantastic. All of that information we're going to go ahead and post in the blog post for this episode. Make sure to head over to podcateers.com slash 382 if you're interested. A link to Muzel will be there and also to Clark's Instagram. Uh, any closing words from anyone before we wrap up this segment? Everyone needs to see this. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you got to go see it. Um, since, you know, for anybody out there that want to be – aspiring to be a curator or even just you know history and art major how many hours did you can you estimate that you put into this one exhibit so then everyone that walks into this knows you know the hard work you put into it and on top of that the ones that think of going for the future of chasing this what it may look like for them oh gosh it's hard to say so for in just putting putting it up like building it was Eight hours every day for, let's see, September, for almost a month and a half. Wow. And that was just putting it on the wall and stuff, getting things printed, making sure things were, like, proofread and all that stuff. Um, uh, Everything else, it's really been, I mean, there was times during kind of the shutdown where I wasn't working on it. Um, but it's it's countless hours in the research, in the writing, in the, I had completely designed a totally different like layout and like design kind of style. And then once uh, the show shifted from Cal State Fullerton to Museo, it changed everything. So I almost had to work on the show like from the beginning again. 
So if I had spent like a total of like six, six months working on it, I was doing that six months again. Uh, wow. Cause everything got changed and it all changed. Like when I wanted to make the text bilingual, uh, that changed everything because so I couldn't cool include, um, yeah. uh, and I felt like I wanted to be like, you know, Anaheim has a large Spanish speaking Hispanic population exactly. that loves Halloween. And I'm like, I don't want to exclude them from this. Like Halloween's for everybody. Right. Um, but that meant going back and being like, okay, well now I have to translate all this and I have to make sure the Spanish makes sense. And then it all, it's not fitting on the text panels, but the walls <laughs> haven't changed. So now I have to cut information and all this stuff. So it was like, I would say I did this show twice. Uh, wow. And there's no way, I don't know, there's no way for me to reflect on the all the hours. You just have Somewhere to... Somewhere between five and like 10,000 hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably closer to the 10,000, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. It shows, just like Melissa said. Yes. Yeah, it shows <laughs> absolutely. Like if you, I'm, I'm vouching for it a hundred percent. I've been to other art things from the Bay Area and from to LA, and this one is awesome. It's definitely a gem. You need to check it out. Or should I say uh, a pumpkin? <laughs> <laughs> well, Clark, thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. Uh, we're glad that we had an opportunity to talk to you learn a little bit about you and learn more about the show uh, again anyone interested the information will be in the blog post for this episode podcasters.com slash 382 if you're interested clark again thank you so much for joining us today oh absolutely thank you so much for having me on here i had a lot of fun thank you oh man what an awesome interview yeah clark's fun i like clark we need to go to disneyland more with clark I think is uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll, well steal that. Uh, we'll steal that. Uh, steal, not steal. We won't steal the we'll uh, swordsman statue. Borrow. borrow it. Yes, 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 yes. Borrow. Like we mentioned, we'll <laughs> we'll take a piece of rope. We'll put it on top of the car, and we'll just hang on to it as I we're driving we, through the streets. If we all rent an ECV, then we'll have enough to. We'll tie ropes <laughs> to each one of them, and we'll you know be able to drag oh, it out of the park. Man. I think that's the joke. Sure. Going at like five miles we'll per hour. We'll just sneak it out, right? We'll, yeah, we'll, sneaky. We'll, we're sneaky. We'll put throw a, a cloth over it or, or a jacket over it. Nobody will yeah. be the wiser. Now my baby's under there sleeping. But just ignore it. <laughs> we'll put it in the stroller. <laughs> yeah. That's a big stroller. Wow. Hey, they make some pretty big it. Costco size strollers now. So we got oh okay so where do i want to start we i, I want to start first of all by saying thank you because we got a couple of comments on uh on instagram from the last episode uh where we were asking about the parks you know we talked about the 50th anniversary of epcot i had been interacting with a couple of people on instagram including our buddy jason who lives on the East Coast, works at the Aribis Brothers. We're going to schedule some time to actually talk to him about his experience with how things went at Epcot for the celebration. So that's going to be coming up in an upcoming episode. But I did want to read a couple of comments. So the first one is from FGP Squad member Adriana. Uh, remember that we asked in the last episode, when was the last time you purchased a photo, like a physical print? She said... Mm -hmm. I'm going to say the last time I had a picture pr 
printed from the park was 20 years ago. So that was back before the digital age, and the only way to get the memories was to buy a print. And it was of us on a roller coaster, of course, and I wonder if I can find it. So if she does find it, I hope she tags us. We'll be happy to repost it. Seems to be a common thread, right? I don't think a lot of people really purchase those photos because you're either carrying some kind of good camera but with phones i mean phones have such a great camera that you don't really have to carry a bunch of stuff with you to get a really great memory from that day and with cloud uploads you kind of have an instant backup right yeah you know Mm -hmm. what i was thinking about it when we talked about it i totally forgot i got some photos from the parks you know, a couple of years ago, um, but they were at the um, the character dining. So Goofy's Kitchen and Plaza, the breakfast that the character dining, they have like a little photo op at the beginning before you go in and you can buy the photos and all that stuff. And we ended up doing that. So it's at, for me, it's been, you know, it wasn't in park photos, but it was on property photos that I got somewhat recently (laughs) that counts i think yeah they were yeah but they come around to your table it's kind of like medieval times you know they come around to your table and show you the the photo would you like to buy this and then they include the digital print you know the digital copy as well that you just add into your app so best of both worlds did you ever go to one of those places where they would offer you the photo package and then they had that like little plastic cone looking thing with the like the lens and you would look into it and you would see the picture inside of it i know what you're talking about yeah (laughs) i don't even know what those are called i'm gonna see if i can find a picture if i can i'll post it in the instagram stories but I remember those were big. Whenever we went to any type of event and they walked around, they were like, would you like to buy this insert name of kooky item here? And you just carried it on your keychain, and you could always look into mm-hmm. it, and you remembered how goofy you looked in the picture. It's kind of like those McDonald's <laughs> toys. They had like a, you know, you look up in there, and it shows a picture of Mickey Mouse or whatever, but it's yeah. a picture of you at a... Yeah, Medieval Times or whatever. I can't think of any other place but Medieval Times. (laughs) Medieval Times or Medieval Times. Says the guy who doesn't like turkey legs, and it's like one of their their top items. I like turkey legs. I just don't like Disneyland turkey legs. Thank you very much. Ooh, them spider words for real, right, You know what? I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. The turkey leg at Disneyland doesn't hit right with me. I I don't know. I think I know what it is. I will say that, I mean, I've kind of joked about it before, but the brine that they use at times is much saltier than others. I'm sure that they have some ratio that they have to use so that every single time they're the same, but they're not, they are different, which is why I've always fought that I could tell the difference between a Disneyland and a DCA Turkey leg. <laughs> People don't believe me, but I, like, I feel there's something different about them, but you're right. I've had like at, at fairs like local fairs that where they do like deep fried everything and then they have like turkey legs and man they just taste so much better they got that smokiness to them and they're like tender in a way that the ones at the parks just aren't like they don't feel like they're dried out as much and i don't know i don't know i give i get what you're saying i get what i'm willing to give it another shot and Uh, i'll I'll, be there to pick up the turkey leg should you decide that you don't like it. Yeah, I'll peel a little piece off and taste it. If I hate it, that goes right to Hazen. There you go. Cut. Well, we're supposed to have that 
taste test or something like that? Oh, we did say we were going to yeah. do a taste yeah. test. <laughs> we were supposed to do that, and that never One happened. Day. So there you go. We got another person. One <laughs> day we will do it. Watch Andrew yeah. get them all right, and I'm like, uh, I don't know, uh, medieval times? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, this one is from this cart, and this one is from this cart. This one's from Idlewise Snacks, and this one's yeah. from... <laughs> <laughs> That'll be funny. Uh, okay, so... Uh, on that same post, we were talking about uh, the new shows that came to Epcot as part of the 50th anniversary. And longtime listener Kristen said, spot on with the comments on the new Harmonious show at Epcot. I watched the live stream of it with high expectations and was very disappointed. I saw Illuminations a few times and loved it. Epcot is a great park, and I was really hoping this show would illuminate how wonderful it is. But that was a failure. There was no connection with the show. The pieces are too bulky, too distracting. The fireworks didn't seem well-timed, and it just felt lacking. I like that they incorporated different languages with the songs, but I hate the stylized version of the songs. Keep it original. That's what people relate to more. The next time we make it to Epcot, I doubt we will watch the show. We'll take advantage of beating the crowd out of the park instead. Using the Gavin method. Using <laughs> using that well, go, time to go sneak ride out or ride go ride or whatever. Something. Yeah. yeah, ride Frozen <laughs> yeah. or something while it's the, the lines are shorter. Ratatouille, if that, whenever it doesn't have a virtual queue, if that's ever. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I followed up with the question, uh, you know, as far as the four beacons of magic go, which one was her favorite? Because, you know, uh, Spaceship Earth was one. Uh, Cinderella Castle was the other. The Tree of Life was the third. And then uh, Tower of Terror was the fourth. The way that they were illuminating them, they had all sorts of amazing projections on them. And she said, I have to say the castle at Magic Kingdom. Magic Kingdom to me is the most magical of the four parks. It encompasses fantasy, adventure, thrills, and basically everyone's childhood. The castle is one of the most iconic buildings, even though it's not a real castle in the world. Seeing the castle all lit up, all decorated out, goosebumps. It's the castle mm. I grew up with. There you go. Aww. And... You look at the videos, you look at the photos that people were posting, and, I mean, it looks amazing, right? I I have to agree that if, you know, you have the East Coast people that grew up going to Walt Disney World, you have West Coast people that grew up going to Disneyland, and if that's your castle, then, you know, when whenever you see it lit up for whatever show they're doing... You know, I, I get it. That's how I feel whenever I see Sleeping Beauty Castle lit up for fireworks or whatever show that they're doing here, too. But I think as someone from the West Coast, having never been to Epcot or having been to Walt Disney World in general, like the castle for then this is me personally, right? Like the castle projection is kind of like, yeah, I've seen that. But Spaceship Earth lit up like to me was like, whoa, hot. Yeah, damn. baby. Yeah. <laughs> Right? That's the one. That's the one. That it's, is the one. It's, I mean, I'm a technology guy. So, and Hazen's a technology guy. So, it's, it's, uh, sci fi. Yeah, it's best of everything. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. But their castle. Everybody's technology. But their castle, though, I will say that it, it is the, the advantage of having a taller castle does really bring out the beauty and the brightness of a lot of those projections. So I can oh, understand yeah. why she feels like that. And I can understand why people that love and get that feeling that she's talking about, get it whenever they see sleeping beauty, um, whenever they see Cinderella castle lit up like that. So 
Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter, right? It's all going to feel magical to me. I'm going to cry seeing all of them. I'm going to like be in the fetal <laughs> position like any other time. Wow. So I get it. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not crying. You are. Stop. So if anybody out there, I, got, I'm, I always throw it out to you. If anybody out there wants to uh, sponsor the Podcateers to go uh, make Hazen cry at Walt Disney World, uh, just let us know. That's the GoFundMe campaign. Make so Hazen go cry at Walt Disney World. Yes, it is. Make Hazen so you can cry at Walt Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> Such a oh, that's funny. Um, okay, so uh, thank you so much, uh, Adriana and Kristen, for those comments. Remember that if you have uh, any comments or you just want to join the conversation, you can do that on any of the posts on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. But we'd love for you to join our growing community over on Discord. You can head over to the blog post of this episode or podcateers.com. Scroll down. You'll see the Discord link there. Uh, Discord, for those unfamiliar, it's uh, at its core, it's kind of like a chat program that allows us just to communicate with other people. We have different channels. We talk about Disney foods. We talk about, you know, different things in the park, attractions. Uh, We share uh, our experiences, photos of things that we're doing in the parks. And sometimes we just have conversations about tacos because why not? That's just how life is. So, again, discord uh, you can find the invite on the website and if you have any questions feel free to reach out to us we'll be happy to help you out with that uh okay so look muppets haunted mansion finally out i'm super psyched we gotta talk about this but before we do i do want to remind you that this episode of podcasters is brought to you by a fantastic group of folks known as the fgp squad The FGP Squad helps us out with a monthly contribution via Patreon. And being part of the FGP Squad family gets you some additional perks like access to our monthly happy hour calls, access to additional content through Patreon, uh, monthly giveaways, codes to get discounts on Pocketeers gear, and more. If you want more information on how you can become part of the FGP Squad family, head on over to Pocketeers.com slash FGP for more information. And of course, to all of the members of the FGP Squad, we just want to send a huge thank you for your continued support. Uh, along the same lines, I also want to say thank you again. I know we've been saying it every episode since we started doing it, but I do want to say thank you to everyone that's also purchased a Podcateers Teamboat Willie pin. Uh, as you know, we've been selling the pins in order to help fundraise for Walk for Hope in an effort to contribute to ridding the world of women's cancers because cancer sucks. And we are not doctors, we're not scientists, but we can help raise money to help those people do their job so we can just end the suffering or help end the suffering. If you purchase a Team Boat Willie pin, we will donate $5 from every pin sold. And if you are listening to this episode on launch week, I did get an email saying that every donation made to the Walk for Hope campaign by October 15th will essentially count for double because one of the sponsors is doing a match for any donation up to $50,000. So I was planning on making the donation for the pins closer to the day that Walk for Hope was actually going to take place. I'm actually going to make a donation for everything that's been sold up until this point because I wanted to count for double. 
Uh, and so if you want to make a donation, if you're listening to this on launch day, October 13th, 2021, and if you want to help contribute, remember that whatever you contribute will be matched by one of the sponsors of the event. So October 15th is the deadline for that. We're going to be making our donation by then as well. Any pins that you purchase, we will throw in the $5. As a matter of fact, look, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll even add an extra buck so that we get even more donated. Any pins that are sold, I'm, I'll post this on Instagram before this episode launches as well. Any pin that's sold between October 11th and October 15th when we make that donation will donate $6 instead of 5 which will effectively make nice. it a $12 donation through the match that's happening for the campaign. So nice. we'll make a graphic, we'll throw it up on Instagram, we'll add a little bit more to the pot, and hopefully we'll get a really good donation going, and we'll be able to make a second donation before Walk for Hope happens. So if you have any questions about it, please feel free to reach out. Hit us up in our messages. We'll be happy to help you out. Uh, people are receiving their pins, and... I have been touched uh, as far as how much people appreciate them and have loved receiving the pins. Thank you so much for the feedback. Uh, I'm, I'm super excited because uh, this, you know, it, it's been a passion project. And the fact that we're able to tie it in with such a wonderful cause just means a lot to us. So thank you for the purchases. Again, any questions, feel free to reach out to us or you can go to teamboatwilly.com for more information. And if just pins are not your thing, you can also just make a donation. The link to our Walk for Hope fundraising page for Team Boat Willie is on that page. Teamboatwilly.com. Super simple to remember because it's just like Steamboat Willie, but without the S. Dot com. Oh, I shouldn't do that because that's copyright. So dot com. That's weird. <laughs> wow. I don't know. No. It's a dot com. It's teamboatwilly.com. Just that's like oh, the like wow. the muses in Hercules or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like Mariah Carey or something. I don't know what that was. <laughs> you know what? It's almost Christmas. You'll hear that Mariah Carey Christmas. You know, oh. it's coming soon. Oh boy. Coming, it's 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 coming to you soon. That and the drink guy, the soda guy, bubbly. Oh, oh, <laughs> that bubbly's oh, yeah, coming. For sure. That's right. <laughs> okay. Back to what we were talking about, Muppets Haunted Mansion. Woo! Woo, 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 woo. Thoughts. Who wants to kick us off? They gave us something awesome. I mean, <laughs> this is redeems from what they gave us with the Muppets and Haunted Mansion in the uh, previous years. So thank you, Disney. Thank you. This was amazing. 11 out of 10. Ah, yes. <laughs> nice. All right. Yeah, really. It was really great that the like the Muppet Studio was able to to stretch their legs on this one, and it got all approved, and everything happened. I really think it uh, it made up for the Eddie Murphy Haunted Mansion. Uh, <laughs> not that it's bad. We always we talk about it, and we give it a lot of you know, but uh, it was. I think it was the mansion movie that people wanted it got the tone right it got the the comedy right um if for the mansion and you got to see you got to see the mansion in all its glory not the exterior but the scenes take place in what looks like the park's haunted mansion the wallpaper was the same the this was the same everything was similar or as close to or muppetized as much as it could be so it was 
Uh, I loved it. It was great. <laughs> this was one when I started watching. I immediately knew there was no way, no way I was going to head to the exact <laughs> if <laughs> there was one in my, <laughs> in my reaching. Now, there is so much. Andrew, you nailed it on the head. And Melissa, there's like if you have watched anything Muppets in the past, like Melissa's mentioned, there's always been ones that you kind of have like soft spots for, but didn't always hit on every cylinder. And then the thing you tie into Andrew is like, this is if you liked Haunted Mansion, this is the movie that literally like just dug its feet into it and said, we're going full into everything Haunted Mansion, you know, but guess what? Like they've been saying, the Muppets are the major counterpart of this to give you that wholesome feeling. And for me, I, I the jokes are so Muppet certified. I loved it. And Pepe, I've always had a soft spot for him, the prawn, and I, and he's the main character in this. But i surprised by Gonzo. Uh, I mean, it's not that I'm never – I don't know. For me, Gonzo's never been someone where uh, Muppet that I'm like – I gravitate to. I mean, obviously, it's Kermit, right? Uh, that's like the major one. Uh, but Gonzo, I think, I think was really placed well in this. And uh, there's just so many Haunted Mansion references in it. And I'll say kudos to Will Arnett. I love Will Arnett and other things he's done. He really came through as being the ghost host in this. And so much, like, in his deep voice, I thought, oh, this might they might just make this corny too much. But, no, I liked it. I like what they did with Will Arnett. And I think he paid homage to Haunted Mansion. It was pretty cool. Yeah, Will Arnett wasn't playing himself. He was actually playing a role. Right? Because most things now, it's Will point. Arnett is Will Arnett. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Great points, Larry. I I agree with all of you. I think this was not only a love letter to Muppets fans, but it was a love letter to the Haunted Mansion fandom as well. It hit on so many points that... You know, you whenever you deal with a property that's so well-loved, like the Haunted Mansion, we're always going to criticize as fans because we want to see the things that we want to see that remind us of that property. And, you know, using Pirates of the Caribbean as an example, the I think the reason that some of those pirate movies hit so well is not just because they're really well written, the action is great, but there was enough of the attraction that reminded you of it that you instantly connected and you felt like it was just bringing the attraction to life in a whole new way. The Eddie mm-hmm. Murphy version of The Haunted Mansion, we've talked a lot about how a lot of people didn't like it. I have talked about how I started not liking it, but over time it's kind of grown on me. I understand where it kind of fits in, you know, in, in the fandom. But this, it hit every single cylinder and more. Every reference that you could have expected in the mansion didn't feel forced. It just, it all hit at the appropriate time. It felt like you were going through the attraction along with Gonzo as he was going on his journey. One of my favorite scenes is how they dump into the ballroom. Okay, how they kind of do the shot of going up to seeing them walk through that hallway and how they end up down there. Like, oh, that was so beautifully directed and beautifully (laughs) shot. I had to watch it several times because I appreciated that shot so much. Everything about this screamed Muppets and it didn't scream uh, Muppets now. It screamed Muppet Show to me. 
from the musical numbers to the way that they executed everything, this is what the Muppets were meant to be. This is how Disney should have been treating the Muppets for a while, and they haven't. Considering that this was their first official Halloween special, there's a part of me that doesn't want to see them reprise into another holiday special unless they can bring the same type of magic to it. I think this was a really perfect mix of something that we're used to seeing for Halloween with a prop with two properties that I, I don't know. I, I, I think, Larry, you hit it in, on the head, right? That Gonzo was the perfect character to lead us through this story. We're so used to seeing the Miss Piggies and the Kermits and sometimes Fozzie be the central part of the story. But the weirdness of what this particular special brought was so perfect for Gonzo and Pepe or Pepper the Shrimp, if you will. <laughs> um, anybody Was anybody else surprised at the fact that there was musical numbers? Kind of. It took kind me off. Kind of, but, yeah. but not too much. Yeah, it took me off guard for like a second, but then I was like, oh, wait a minute. All Muppet movies have songs in it. What, yeah. what, what am I thinking? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't it? Yeah, I felt the same way. I like There was a moment where I thought, oh, this is weird. And then it just felt familiar to me because of how they executed it. Now, I will say, though, that when they started announcing all of the the roles of these people that were going to be guest stars, and I thought, oh, I know that person. Oh, yeah, no. And then Pat Sajak was announced. I thought, why is Pat Sajak in there? <laughs> and I realized that they didn't have this huge role. Like, all they did was use them for particular scenes, like the singing bust, for instance. Or they were... they. I, I don't know. It was this really fantastic balance of how they monitored the stars that they actually used. And everyone else was just used mm-hmm. as eye candy. Yeah, and it's like the... I mean, Muppet movies, you typically have a lot of small cameos. And that's what this had. You know, you had um, um, a couple of larger roles. You know, Ghost Host, The Bride. And that's about it. And then everything else was and then maybe a third is the the groundskeeper but everything else was tiny little bit parts in a song bit part in a room bit part into this and i think they they did the balance correctly it was mostly muppets and that's what you want in a muppet movie that's a good point yeah i think i never thought about that i've been watching a lot of muppets the recent iterations and what i mean by that the muppet show that was on abc and then now they have like the Muppet, uh, I guess it's like YouTube wannabe viral video they put on Disney Plus. And it does kind of get out of whack sometimes where you just want the Muppets in it instead of the cameos. That's a good point, Andrew. Can't can't say any more to that. So absolutely didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, the way that everything was executed was perfect. I mean, to the uh, even how they used Statler and Waldorf, you know, when the <laughs> when the. Di- yeah. You know, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, I know we already started talking about it, but spoiler alert, um, having their doom buggy stop in the middle of what was happening and you heard the breakdown spiel that was, was funny. awesome. Oh, yeah. It was such an awesome Easter egg because so many of us are familiar with that happening that even including that just felt so familiar, it made this... 
I look this. I know I joked about it before even watching it that this was going to be on my list of Halloween things and even on non-Halloween list of things that I watch all the time. This hit the pantheon of like my top three things for Halloween from now on. Oh, wow. It's so okay. well High made. Price. So well made. I enjoyed it so much. I've seen it so many times since it started I feel like I'm a little kid trying to learn the words. Aww. <laughs> you know, it's it's a uh, yeah, it's it's great. I that that song, the the life hereafter, whatever it's called. That's just like that song was fantastic. I don't know if everybody noticed like all the different little musical things in there too. There's like little bits of like be our guest in there, um, yes. kind of wording and stuff. And then towards the end, you hear um, the. Uh, it builds like the Muppet Show theme, and then I it does that. the same kind of screen that the Muppet Show, the opening at the end where it's a uh, you know the arches and then it goes out and there's more arches and it goes out and there's more arches. They do that same thing in the ballroom with the the two different levels and it's going out and going out and going out. It's just it mirrors that opening to the Muppet Show opening, and I just I thought that was hilarious and it was it was great an homage to themselves so good so good love it uh and the songs you know they're they're very memorable if you want to listen to them you want to add them to your playlist the four songs are available on spotify now uh if you're following us on instagram you'll see the story post we're gonna try to pin it um uh, because it, it's only up for 24 hours but we'll try to pin it and or if you just search spotify you can also go to the blog post for the episode i'll try to put a link to the spotify playlist there uh, and then you can just add the songs to your own playlist but they're fantastic super muppety super haunted mansiony mel you gave it 11 out of 10 i'm i'm going for it 27 out of 10 nine 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 out of ten ten there you go (laughs) and you know what this was it was i mean there were some scary parts too like um old man gonzo is probably one of the scariest things i've seen that That was was pretty that was creepy pretty creepy i mean the it was i think old man gonzo was the creepiest and then the second is kermit dressed as miss piggy is the second creepiest (laughs) thing yeah i love that loved by the way when they first started talking about this special and we saw kermit and piggy dressed up as each other there was a part of me that worried about seeing that scene and seeing that still image. And I mean, mm-hmm. I was excited other, you know, regardless, but I didn't know what to expect when they showed that. And I, I feel content in the way that they played that part of the story out and that it wasn't just about them. And even Miss Piggy's role, like she makes a reference to it when she's Madame Pigota you know, like, this is, like, my only part in this thing, and they confine me to a fishbowl or something like that. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, I I don't know. It's going back to what you said, Larry. Man, Gonzo was perfect for this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I felt the – you talk about that 
Andrew that part uh, when he's in the mirror and he's confronting. I don't want to spoil this for this because I think that's an amazing part of the real payoff is at the end of this special. Here's the big movie. spoiler alert for everybody. Spoiler alert. Larry's going to say there some stuff. I'm not going to say what it's about. He's not going to say the big payoff. I'm not going to say the payoff. But I do want to talk about that, though. So say what you're going to say, but I want to talk about that a little bit. Okay. If you want I mean, for them to find a new story out of the Haunted Mansion, because I've heard so many different iterations of Haunted Mansion and what it could be and what it, you know, you're talking about what we just talked about, Mr. Gacy, you know, the Haunted Mansion with Eddie Murphy in it. And now you have this version of the Muppets. You're thinking as you're watching it, it's a payoff and paying it to the Muppets, right? But then you get to this ending of self-reflection and understanding, like, what the Muppets always do is make you feel good about yourself and understanding, like, you're not – Muppets aren't always the winners. Like, me and Rebecca, my wife, were talking about this. They're not always the winners. Like, they're the people as their Muppets that, like, they're trying to get the job, right? They're trying to be the actors. And – to get this payoff of self-reflection, like what are your fears to tie into Haunted Mansion, but also tie it to being like, look at inside yourself to find who you are was just like, Whoa, I didn't expect to feel this way, but this makes me feel good about watching the Muppets again. I just feel that warm feeling, you know, everything is great. Everything is grand. Those like <laughs> that, that came back in surprisingly a very spooky scene that was scary. <laughs> Yeah, that that scene. I I saw somebody's comment on a post talking about Muppet Haunted Mansion, and it said something along the lines of that that scene in particular about where Gonzo is saying that you know his fear is that he you know he, you know his friends will leave him out or what and all that kind of stuff. They said it's kind of a a double layered thing because the uh, Gonzo's puppeteer Dave Goles he's the last original. Muppet performer. Oh, I didn't know. That. Out of everybody, wow. you know, he's the last one um, that is still performing with the group, and so it's kind of like a double thing there with with him and Gonzo. He's the only one that's been doing. Go- he's you know he's the only Gonzo. So it's it's kind of um, uh, an interesting thing to think about um, with all these performers, and also there's a um, small cameo from Brian Henson, which is nice um, in the film mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. You know, Larry, you brought up a really interesting point about how it made you feel. And um, I would say that about 14 watches in, I I felt like I started <laughs> to understand why that was. Uh, and it's because it's not Disney. Hmm. You know, I, I know that some people listening are saying, but it's on Disney Plus. Of course, it's Disney. Here's what I mean. You described Jim Henson. with what you just said right now, Larry. Jim Henson was a realist, but he was a really kind man. And, you know, his philosophy was always to make people happy with, you know, the Muppets, with putting on these shows and the messages that he brought around. Like, Rainbow Connection is the song that it is today because of the meaning behind it and how inclusive it is, you know, regardless of how you feel. The Muppets offer inclusivity in a way that a lot of other things don't. The reason I think a lot of us love Disney is because on there's a certain level of wanting fairy tale endings to certain things in our life that it makes us happy, that 
almost everything we watch Disney related has a happy ending. And it reminds us that things can be better and that life doesn't always have to be grim, especially when you're in the bubble in the parks or when you're watching a film. They take you in in a way that life doesn't always do for you. Right. But the contrast with what Jim Henson made you feel and what something Disney makes you feel this was clearly how Jim Henson wanted you to feel. That's why it connected so well as a Muppet production and not a Muppets now Disney Plus produced Muppets thing. Yeah. You know, so uh, I think that the more people watch this, what you and Andrew both talked about, I think is going to begin to hit a lot of other people if it hasn't already. I think it's a great point to bring up, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, that's because I remember feeling it when I first started watching and I couldn't describe it. And it mm-hmm. wasn't because I'm a huge Haunted Mansion fan and because it was like, you know, I got to see this. And it was an inexplicable feeling inside of me that just made me feel like a child. It made me feel warm. It made me feel like it, like a warm pat on the back and a hug that said, it's going to be OK, buddy. Don't worry about yeah. it. You know, came through for sure. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. Muppets saving people one uh, Haunted Mansion special at a time. <laughs> Did anybody have a favorite quote? Because there was, there was a bunch that oh, were there. So good. I, yeah, I, yeah. There's so many. I, That's I, a good yeah, question, too many. though. <laughs> yeah, I laughed so hard. At, like I had to like stop for a second. And they, where, where they go, oh, Miss Piggy goes, well, you try to rhyme with... Uh, with uh, bat, and he goes bat, hat, fat rat, <laughs> hat, right. and then there's yeah. the fat rat with the hat. The fat just, rat with the hat I died. I could not handle it, so that was. <laughs> well, my one of my favorites is right after. Well, you heard me quote the exact part right there, but one of my favorite parts is uh, when the rat stand goes. Tips are encouraged. Oh yeah, don't, don't trust free cheese. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was very good. I thought that was awesome. Muppet comedy right there. Right, I thought. Pepe had a lot of like killer lines. Yeah, yeah he did. Like, oh my gosh, his his Spanglish that was awesome. Yeah, just <laughs> that's right. The, the little things that he would say, and it's like, oh wait, <laughs> he like related, but one. it was hilarious, yeah. and the timing was awesome. Tina had to explain one of his jokes to me because it just went way over my head or whatever. He said, he said, uh, horsey derves ASPCA or something. And I was like, what is he talking about? And he's like, I was like, she said it like four times. Like, oh, I need to get to the hors d'oeuvres ASAP. I could not for the life of me understand what was going on. Uh, I, yeah, it's hard to choose because I think the, the entire show is replete with just quotable lines but i i guess one of my favorite parts i guess it's a quote has to be the scream in the stretching room by the goat (laughs) Uh, the way that they brought the goat in and they implemented that scream was flawless so well if you have any favorite parts from muppets haunted mansion we'd love to hear from you join the conversation over on instagram facebook or twitter just search for podcateers you can also join us over on discord as we mentioned earlier the invite to join us will be in the blog post for this episode podcateers.com slash 382 
or podcasters.com. Just scroll down. You'll see the invite for Discord there. We'd love for you to join our growing community there. Uh, you can share your favorite part, favorite quote. You know, let's just let's just start a conversation on Muppets Haunted Mansion here because it is an instant classic. I don't think any of us disagree with that comment. And uh, if anybody does disagree with us, we'd love to hear your point of view as well. You know, what didn't click with you and what was it about it that you felt either wasn't Muppet or wasn't Haunted Mansion and why you hate the production if that's you're how you're trying feel. to start a fight i think is what you're trying to do not at all <laughs> i don't know what's because that's what's what gonna happen i mean you never know there are people that might not like it and here's what i've learned i've learned especially in the last five years let's say that i've learned a lot about who i am and about the world by hearing contrasting opinions about everything be, having the ability to listen to how somebody feels about something has opened my eyes to learning new things. And I think there's a way for us to have those types of conversations, regardless of the topic, without fighting about it. By having an intelligent conversation, a calm conversation, where people can give you their views and opinions and not feel like they're being attacked. Sometimes those opinions come because they are misinformed and sometimes they come because that's just who they are as a person. But it's always interesting to see how other people feel about things like that. And, you know, maybe how I feel is fabricated because of I don't know who knows, you know, but I'm never going to know that unless I hear a, a, a contrasting opinion. Well, you're a more patient person than I am, I guess. I don't know, but. Good for you, and hope you know what <laughs> I don't. Dirty. Well, here's the thing: I don't think Trolls the person. Andrew. I don't think the person. There's a person out there that listens to this show. I should say that is not going to like Muppet Haunted Mansions. I don't think we have anything nice. to worry about. I don't think High a fight is going to happen. But uh, prove me wrong, maybe. I don't know. Don't prove me wrong. No, I don't I, know. I mean, I, I'm totally with you. If nobody leaves a contradicting comment, I'll be happy, right? But if it happens to come up, because I do think there's a difference between somebody sharing their opinion and being an absolute troll about something. Oh, yeah. And if you're going to be a troll and if you're just going to be a jerk about it, guess what? I'm going to block you. I'm not even going to condone that <laughs> stuff because we're not here to condone the drama. We're not here to, you know, feed your need to, you know, feed your ego because whatever. You know, we're here to have fun and we're here to have a conversation. And if nobody disagrees with us, then, hey, nobody disagrees with us. You know, we're all on the same page and that's amazing. You know, that's why we're here. We're here to share the magic. We're here to experience the magic. We're here to experience Muppets and the Muppets Haunted Mansion. Amen. Hurry back. Yes. Hurry back. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, again, if you have any questions uh, or comments about anything that we talked about in this episode, feel free to reach out to us, Podcateers, uh, on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. You can also find us on Discord. Uh, FGP Squad, thank you so much for all of your support. Again, if you want to join the FGP Squad family, head over to podcateers.com slash FGP for more information. Team Boat Willie pins are available. Remember that if you're listening to this on launch week, be any pins purchased between October 11th and 15th, we will not only donate $5, we'll throw in an extra dollar. On top of that, 
One of the sponsors of the event is going to be doing a match. So we're going to effectively be donating $12 per pin if you include that match. Uh, so our $6, the $6 from the match, it's awesome. I love it. If you have any questions about that, please feel free to reach out. Thank you to Clark Silva for joining us. Again, the information to Clark's Instagram and the exhibit uh, are on the blog post, podcasters.com slash 382. Make sure to check it out. If you post any pictures or anything from going, please tag us. Please uh, tag Clark. I'm sure that he would appreciate seeing that all of his hard work is as appreciated as we appreciate him, his art, and everything that he did to try to teach us a little bit about Sleepy Hollow and the Headless Horseman in this case. So that's it. It's going to wrap it up. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep moving forward, and always remember to pass on the magic. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Bye. See ya. Gee, no one says goodbye here. They just ghost you. Oh, I get it. (laughs) Nice.